This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are, and it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to Politics by Faith. This is our long-form podcast that we do, different from the daily morning motivations. Uh, this was the, the genesis of the whole podcast that we do, and that is uh, we take something in the news that's causing anxiety, and then we uh, give some historical perspective to it, and then some biblical peace, and we help that anxiety go away so we can sleep at night and wake up and live to fight another day. The story of the day are all of the Trump indictments. I am of the school of thought that all of these are ridiculous. I'll spare you the 23-minute video of all the times that Democrats said the election was stolen and Hillary saying Trump is an illegitimate president and Russia collusion and uh, Congress people asking to recount votes because they were fraudulently cast in the 2004 election and all the claims uh, that they've ever made that they now say when Trump says it is undermining democracy. We're not going to do that. Hypocrisy, pointing out hypocrisy only gets you so far. And I will save also my analysis on how this clearly wasn't an insurrection. In the history of insurrections, never has the insurrectionist leader before the insurrection said, hey, everyone, let's walk down to the Capitol and peacefully cheer on the people who are doing the right thing and not cheer on the people who are not. And then during the insurrection, sends out a video telling everyone to go home. That is the worst insurrection leader ever. So all of the outrage is absolutely hysterical. I'll explain as quickly as possible the four groupings of indictments. And then this latest indictment, uh, we'll do a quick of it 
and then we'll get into the bigger, bigger topic at play here. So there's four groups of indictments that Trump is facing. The first was the Stormy Daniels case in Manhattan. So the claim is that his lawyer paid Stormy Daniels hush money and then billed Donald Trump for that hush money. And Trump did not disclose that as a campaign expense because it helped his campaign. So he's in violation of federal campaign laws. And then he did not put in his business records that this was hush money. Instead, it was disclosed as uh, just retainer bills. And therefore, he uh, violated, uh, fraudulently uh, wrote his business records. So that's the, the first claim. This, the group of, group of indictments. The second group of indictments are the classified documents in Mar-a-Lago, which his arguments are, are you kidding me? Every former president has had classified documents. Biden did all over the place in his garage. Mike Pence had classified documents. You had classified documents. Everyone has classified And then this other one is I'm president. I can do whatever I want. The third indictment is the one at play right here, which we'll break down in more detail. But this one has to do with everything after the election. Everything after the election leading up to January 6th. And then the fourth group of indictments that are still to come is what he said to Georgia election officials. So there's a phone call with him and the Secretary of State of Georgia, a couple of the big wigs in Georgia, saying, hey, I need to find 11,070 votes. And the left is purposefully misinterpreting that as Trump saying, hey, you, people in Georgia, go fraudulently create 11,071 votes. When clearly what he meant was, guys, I've given you an example of a million votes that were fraudulently cast. People registering with a P.O. box, dead people, illegal immigrants, whatever. Here's a million examples. All you need to do is get 11,000. That's all we need to do is we don't need to investigate all 1 million. Let's just get to 11,000 and we win. That's what he said. Now, uh, you can hear the entire hour-long phone call on YouTube and you can hear the context and it's so obvious. So those are the four groupings of indictments. In that third grouping of indictments, the, the, one at, uh, the one in question now from this week, there are four charges. The first is to defraud the United States. Normally, this is financial defrauding of the, of the government. But they claim that Trump's questioning of the election results affected federal government processes, whatever that even means, and therefore that cost the government money and defrauded it. The second and third are conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding and obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding. That's January 6th, as we just commented on. Uh, you know, go peacefully, have your voices heard. That's, you know, like, what, like that, that, how can that possibly be? Uh, and then the fourth is conspiracy against rights. This one's very interesting. This was a bill or a law that was inspiration, inspired by the, the Ku Klux Klan, preventing black people from voting. And the claim is that when Trump wanted to overturn election results, say in Georgia, that would have taken away a person's rights to vote. And all those combined, well, everything, all the indictments combined, he's facing 561 years in prison. And technically, that last charge, that KKK-inspired one, faces the death penalty. Because the law says that if anyone dies in the committing of the crime, then you're liable for the death penalty. And Ashley Babbitt, that San Diegan uh, protester who was shot by the police officer, she died. And Trump will be held liable that and el- uh, technically is eligible for the death penalty. So those are the four. It's, it's, it's just all of his claims of voter fraud after the election up to and including January 6th. 
Now, as you've probably heard ad nauseum by now, so we're not going to do it for long, with a fraud charge, they need to prove that Trump knew he was breaking the law. and Or I should say specifically, Trump knew that there was no voter fraud, but he was claiming it anyway. And that's going to be impossible to prove because I think Trump actually believes there was voter fraud. And they haven't attempted yet. They haven't even attempted to prove that Trump knew he was lying to the American people. They haven't even attempted it. And we'll see if they ever do. All right, so now we're all caught up. I hope all that makes sense. And now you can kind of wrap your head around uh, the, the situation. So let's talk about what's really broken here. Now, by the way, you can think all that's justified and you can think Trump deserves to go to jail for 561 years and all that. But I want to take all this. I'm not making that argument here for or against. That's not what we do on this show. I want to use this story as a springboard to talk about unjust persecutions that you have or may face in life. Trump thinks he's been targeted unfairly for political reasons or whatever. What happens if in your life you are targeted unfairly? The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe, download now the truth. What about people, to, to give an extreme example, people who are thrown in jail or even on death row for a crime they actually did not commit? That happens. Every once in a while, you hear a story of some guy who spent 30 years in jail and then some DNA evidence comes out and he never did it. How does one come to terms with that? You get one life and you're falsely accused and go to jail for most of it? You get one of them? <laughs> what if there is a witch hunt against you? Trump says this is all just one big witch hunt. What is a witch hunt? <laughs> you know, that's a term for a reason. We once hunted witches. So what does that mean? And is that a real thing? And what if you are the victim of a witch hunt? That is unfair. What is the Christian response to being treated unfairly? Before we get to the historical example, let's lament all of this for a minute. I am very worried that this is just the new norm for our country, that whichever party loses the election, they're going to complain about voter fraud and fraudulent, illegitimate election and Russia collusion, all this stuff. It's just going to go back and forth forever like this. And it can't go forever. It'll, it'll eventually wither away to just whoever's the strongest. And that's where you get a total breakdown of the system. The way to get out of this spiral, it's very simple. The Democrats need to say, Trump, you were way out of line in 2020, but you want to run again? Okay. Bring your best economic plan, bring your best foreign policy plan, bring your best immigration plan, put it up against ours, and then we'll vote in this next election. Oh, and by the way, we're going to have a new voting system where you vote day of, voter ID, complete transparency, everyone can stick around and count, uh, all that, all, like, all, complete voter integrity. And then people can trust the vote from this point forward. We can move on from the past and people can trust the vote moving forward so it won't happen again. But the Democrats are not doing that. The Democrats are for opening up 
voting as much as possible. Voting weeks in advance. No voter ID. Um, even like, like voting online is something they want. Sending ballots out to everyone, even if you never even asked. Have any illegal immigrants vote? Like they want to broaden it out, which just increases the mistrust of the whole system. So they're moving in the exact opposite direction we want to be going in. And I know that maybe sounds partisan and this is not a partisan show, but give me another way out of this spiral that we're in. Give me another way. What could Republicans do to get out of the spiral? It's in the Democrats' hands. Move on from 2020 and 2016 and focus on voter integrity so we can have more trust in the system. And they're not doing that. And they'll go to the death to not do it. Remember when uh, Georgia passed a couple of voter integrity laws and they freaked out, called it new Jim Crow and this whole thing. And it turned out that it was like, you still in Georgia have weeks to vote. You have longer to vote in Georgia than you did even in Biden's home state of Delaware. And black turnout increased in the next election that it went into effect. So, but, so even things that weren't even close to real voter integrity, the left called it new Jim Crow and had a total conniption. So we're never going to move in that right direction. And that's really, really bad. It may be one of the worst things in our country, quite frankly, right now. Because if we don't trust our elections every two years, again, that's unsustainable. So let's lament that. That is really, really bad news. Maybe this is a good time to talk about gold. (laughs) The idea that our entire country may collapse. uh, Well, gold will be a good thing to have when that happens. Uh, National debt through the roof. That's good for gold. The day after the debt ceiling increased, the US Treasury increased our national debt by over $350 billion. <laughs> in a day, in a day. Now in 2010, our debt was 13 trillion, gold was $1,000 an ounce. In 2020, our debt was 23 trillion, and gold was $1,500 $1, an ounce. Today it's 32 trillion, and it's $2,000 an ounce. Do you see the Every five trillion or five, 10 trillion, it goes, right, you with me? Now we're not showing any signs of lowering our debt. So what does that mean for gold? The Google search, how to buy gold hit record levels uh, in, in the last previous months here. So it's not even, should I buy gold? It's how, how do I get it? Patriot Gold Group is the answer. A plus rated consumer affairs, top rated gold and silver company nationwide for real. I'm not, I'm not gonna tell you about the third best company I'm going to tell you about the absolute best, Patriot Gold Group. And obviously, we are like-minded. They decided to call their company Patriot Gold Group. Talk about a no-fee-for-life IRA, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver as well. Get a free investor guide, one 617 This is exactly what I did. I own gold, one 617 And they are the, again, Consumer Affairs top-rated gold IRA dealer six years in a row. Again, I'm not going to tell you about anyone but the best. 1-888-617-6122, patriotgoldgroup.com. All this uh, Trump witch hunt talk got me thinking about real witch hunts. <laughs> real witch hunts that happen in America, specifically the Salem witch trials. Pretty much everything I ever believed about the Salem witch trials is wrong. And I don't even know where I got my perception about what the Salem witch trials were. Maybe like middle school or something. I thought it was thousands of people. It was 57 people accused, 57 men and women accused of witchcraft. The girls who did the main accusing, they testified against eight people as witches, but 15 were, I've heard some people say 19. We'll go with 19. 19 people were executed for being a witch. 
We'll never really know what happened in the Salem witch trials. We'll never really know the true motivations of everyone involved. It was a long time ago. We do have a lot of firsthand accounts, which is something, but it's just fascinating that it was two girls who claimed to be possessed by witches. How did it all start? Well, they were dabbling in sorcery. There's something called that they called back then the Venus glass. And this is what the girls did. They took a glass of water and they would drop egg whites in the water. And then they would interpret the shapes that the egg whites made in the water. And one of the girls was terrified when the egg yolk made the shape of a coffin. And the girls started having fits and claiming that evil spirits were pinching them. So they called in a doctor. The parents called a doctor. And the doctor found nothing wrong with them physically and concluded they were bewitched. The girls were 9 and 12. This happened in 1692. So here's a book from the time period. Mr. Paris appears to have been astonished, that's the dad, when the physicians informed him that his daughter and niece were no doubt under an evil hand. So some woman at the church said, I know how we can find the witches. We're going to bake a cake made with the urine of the children and feed it to dogs. And then the dogs will be able to sniff out the witch. This is is true. And the local minister freaked out. He's like, no, no, we're not going to go to the devil for help against the devil. But the girls ended up naming three people anyway. And the hysteria just grew and grew, eventually accusing 57 people of being a witch. Now, one interesting thing about this, and there's many, it seems like there was some weird rich witchcraft things going, like like people drinking blood types of things going on. So the association of witchcraft wasn't completely out of left field for everyone. Like that was a that was there was like weird stuff going on. But who knows? It was madness. The definition of witch, by the way, is a woman, but in this case there are men too, a woman who by compact with the devil practices sorcery or enchantment. Now, this was not exclusive to Salem. Salem was just a minor example. It's believed that from 1450 to 1750, around the world, there were up to 50,000 people executed for being a witch. And don't think that we've progressed past this. We are human beings, and human beings can get hysterical. Look at the transgender stuff today, people losing their minds. Now, in my example here, the Democratic Party and the media are the two hysterical girls, to be clear. Oh, insurrection, coup, most important criminal trial in the history of the country, uh, most dangerous time since the Civil War, worst crime since the Civil War, all this absolute hysteria. Did you hear uh, Al Sharpton yesterday? The other day he said, uh, I said, could you imagine Thomas Jefferson trying to overthrow the government. I mean, that's what's going on here. <laughs> yes, Al. I, I could imagine Thomas Jefferson trying to overthrow. That's in fact the only thing I imagine about Thomas Jefferson is him indeed overthrowing a government. But that's how hysterical these people are. They're, they're just out of their minds. The reverend, actually, no, the, the former reverend in Salem, he returned to Salem in the midst of the madness to see what was going on. He wrote about it. And he went to go see the 12-year-old girl. Abigail Williams was her name. 
And he said, when I was there, his kinsman, Abigail Williams, so he went to the dad's house and his daughter, 12 years old, had a grievous fit. She was at first hurried with violence to and fro in the room. Although Mrs. Ingersoll endeavored to hold her, sometimes making as if she would fly, stretching up her arms as high as she could and crying, wish, 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 several times. Presently, after she said, there was this other person and said, do you not see her? Why, there she stands. And said this other person uh, offered her the book. I'm guessing the Bible. But she was resolved that she would not take it, saying often, I won't, I won't, I won't take it. I do not know what this book is. I'm sure it is none of God's book. It is the devil's book, for aught I know. After that, she ran to the fire and began to throw firebrands around the house and run it back against us as if she would run up the chimney. And as they said, she had attempted to go into the fire in other fits. She had to jump into the fire. So I have no idea what was going on with this girl. Could have been a very poorly behaved child, right? Who's just going crazy. Uh, she could have had serious mental illness. Or maybe she was possessed. Who knows? And I think there's a parallel here to the people who are making the crazy accusations today. I think in the first case, to, to parallel to a poorly behaved child, I think many know they're being hysterical, but they're exaggerating for attention and money and power. Just like a poorly behaved child. I think just like they could have serious mental issues that those girls back in the day, I think today people are hysterical about things all the time and have been their entire lives and they've just attached their general state of hysteria to Trump and all things Trump. And then just like back in the day, maybe she was possessed. I think people today can be possessed. Don't think that there are not dark forces at play always. So if Trump is, is the accused witch, how does it end for him? Well, not sure. Some of them were killed and some were acquitted. One of them said, I am a witch. The devil came to me and bid me serve him. That did not help the cause for others. But all the other ones said, I'm not a witch. I'm as innocent as the child unborn. I have done no harm. I am wronged. One response, I am innocent as the child unborn, but surely what sin hath God found out in me, unrepented of, that he should lay such an affliction on me in my old age? And I think that ties into the theme I want to talk about here, this, this idea that I must deserve this for something I've done. That, that's, that was her claim. Like, I, like I, I'm not a witch, but why is God doing this to me? It must be a punishment for my sins in some way. So let's pivot to our lives and the Bible. One thing we got to be careful about, careful about when it comes to persecution is you can be persecuted, meaning people can shun you or treat you badly. And you think it's because you're a Christian, but actually it's because you're being a jerk. Jesus said, blessed are those when they're persecuted on my account. Not if you're persecuted because you're a jerk. And right before that, he said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, righteousness's sake. So you got to make sure that your suffering isn't caused by your own sin. First Peter 4.15, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evil doer, doer, doer as a meddler. Right? So like, don't like suffering because you murdered someone. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Or suffering because you're a thief or an evil doer or a bad person. That's not persecution. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Suffering for righteousness, righteousness's sake. 
That means suffering because you are living and behaving in a distinctly Christian way. I don't think Trump is suffering because of his Christian lifestyle. He's not suffering because of his Christian point of view. But I want to move away from Trump right now and talk more about us and life. None of us can relate to having four groups of indictments against us to prevent us from winning the next presidential election and facing 561 years in prison. That is, that is, we cannot relate to that. But we can all relate to something unjustly happening to us. So there's different types of injustice. Let's start with uh, being scammed. You can be scammed or tricked. Proverbs 20:23. the Lord detests differing weights and dishonest scales do not please him. There is a ton of scriptures about dishonest measures. Uh, so you know how they measure things back in the day and dishonest people would use a heavy stone in order to weigh something that they wanted to buy and a lighter stone or, or vice versa, whatever it was. But the boy was they wanted to cheat people. And there's so many scriptures on this. And then there's a few on the opposite. Proverbs 16, 11, honest scales and balances belong to the Lord. All the weights in the bag are of his making. Proverbs 11, 1, the Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. It's all over the place. So the point is be honest and know that any sin of dishonesty that you commit against someone, you're really committing the sin against God. But that's true with every sin. Uh, David said in Psalm 51, 4, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Wow, that's a powerful scripture. Mm. I love this Proverb 16, 8. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Oh, that's such a good one too. Uh, you, there's injustice in, in the case of a uh, biased legal system or a biased judge. Leviticus 19.15 says, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. That should be in every courtroom. There's an unjustness in being slandered. Matthew 5.12, rejoice and be glad when you are reviled and persecuted and slandered for your faithfulness for Jesus and reliance on Jesus and obedience to Jesus for the glory of Jesus. Rejoice when you are slandered. What an interesting command there because it's not a command to do anything, but to feel a certain way. That's interesting. It doesn't say go do this. It says feel this. And this feeling is completely contrary to human nature. It can only happen with the Holy Spirit. So what do we do when life is just in our eyes? That's the key, unfair. I was going to say, what do we do when life is unfair? Well, and that's going to be my ultimate point. My, my ultimate point. It's not. <laughs> life, life is not unfair, at least not against you. But in our eyes, it is. So what do we do? Psalm 69, 19. You know how I am insulted, God, how I am disgraced and dishonored. You see all my enemies. Insults have broken my heart. I'm in deep despair. I had hoped for sympathy, but there was none. I hoped for comfort, but I found none. Oh, the pain. The pain that you feel when you are accused of something unjustly. I heard this story and I like it. I think it's helpful. See what you think. As children, sinners, our instinct is to grab onto things. I want, I want, I want Think of the kid at the store. Or uh, if you got multiple kids, uh, someone's playing with Legos and the other kid grabs a Lego like they wanted and the other kid's like, no, those are mine. 
or kids will say, that's not fair. Those are mine. That's not fair. And the growing up, the maturing process is a process of learning to let go, to share, to wait in line, to take turns, to not get what you want all the time, when you want. And hopefully, as we grow up, we learn to let go more and more and more, not just of things, but now even of circumstances. It's a process of letting go. When something bad happens, we ask why. And we did, uh, a while back, we did a whole series on why bad things happen to good people. And uh, the point was there are no good people. There's only one. But when most people ask why, they're not really asking why. (laughs) They're really just saying, this is unfair. But what is fair? I heard this years ago and it changed my life. And please correct me if you, you think I'm wrong. You deserve to go to hell. You don't deserve the kindness and the mercy and the goodness that God has given you in any way whatsoever. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Jesus saved you from the wrath of God. The wrath, that's what you deserve. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that is what you deserved. That's, that's what was fair. Ephesians 2.3, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath. That's by our nature. That's how we were born, children of wrath. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were sons of disobedience. It is a miracle that anything good ever happens. And in that context, fairness takes on a whole new meaning. That's not fair. Oh, you want what's fair? I deserve nothing. Thank goodness. Thank God that God doesn't give me what I deserve. So whenever I think I deserve that or I don't deserve that, it's like, oh. Isaiah 64, 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Paul says there's no one righteous, not even one, no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. Matthew 25, Jesus says, then he, God, will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. That's all the stuff we deserve. We ask for justice, but we don't want justice. We do not want justice. If God God gave us justice, it would be very bad. We want mercy. That's what we really want. We want mercy. Have mercy on me, oh God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Psalm 51.1, we want mercy. And we want hope. I love this from Lamentations. This is so good. I am one who knows what it is to be punished by God. He drove me deeper and deeper into darkness and beat me again and again with merciless blows. He has left my flesh open and raw and my broken and has broken my bones. He has shut me in a prison of misery and anguish. He has forced me to live in the stagnant darkness of death. Things are not going well. He has bound me in chains. I'm a prisoner with no hope of escape. I cry aloud for help, but God refuses to listen. I stagger as I walk. Stone walls block me wherever I turn. He waited for me like a bear. He pounced on me like a lion. He chased me off the road, tore me to pieces and left me. He drew his bow and made me target for his arrows. He shot his arrows deep into my body. People laugh at me all day long. I'm a joke to them all. Bitter suffering 
is all he's given me for food and drink. He rubbed my face in the ground, broke my teeth on rocks. I've forgotten what health and peace and happiness are. I do not have much longer to live. My hope in the Lord is gone. Whoa. The thought of my pain, my homelessness is bitter poison. I think of it constantly and my spirit is depressed. Yet, hope returns when I remember this one thing. Let's just <laughs> stop there and say, whoa. If, if, you're, if you've ever been treated unjustly, unfairly, that's Lamentations 3. If you've ever been treated unjustly, unfairly, go there, read that, relate. Because whenever you're feeling hurt and pain, you always feel like you're alone. You're not. These are ancient things. Yet, hope returns when I remember this one thing. The Lord's unfailing love and mercy still continue. Fresh as the morning, as sure as the sunrise. Wow, fresh as the morning, sure as the sunrise. Mm, I want to call this episode that. That's such a good line. Fresh as the morning, sure as the sunrise. Whoa. The Lord is all I have. And so in him I put my hope. Lamentations 3. So what's in my control if you've ever been treated unjustly, unfairly? Uh, I love, love. It's right up there with one of my favorite movies. The 2015 live action Disney version of Cinderella with Lily James. This is the last Disney movie that was made that was not woke. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. They did, they did a great job with almost all of it. But one of the wonderful things in the movie is how unjust her stepmother and stepsisters are to her. But she never fights back. She never talks back. She never says it's unfair. But it's not because she's weak. She doesn't just take it. She does it because she remembers the promise that she made. The higher calling she has to love this home that her mother and father loved. So the lesson here for all of us and for kids, it's a good movie for kids, is that you can work through injustice, even cruelty, if you have a higher calling. So what's in your control? Not the injustice, that's for sure. But knowing your higher calling is in your control. So what's our final thought to meditate on on here? We don't know what God is up to. That's the first. Ecclesiastes 11.5, as you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. So when we say it's unfair, unjust, whatever, we're acting as if we know what God's up to. Second, God loves you. Lamentations 3, the thought of my pain, my homelessness is bitter poison, yet hope returns when I remember this one thing, the Lord's unfailing love and mercy still continue. And finally, don't expect life to be without suffering. So we don't know what God is up to, but he loves you and expect suffering. 1 Peter 4.12, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. That's one of the things we expect life to be perfect. We expect there to be perfect justice all the time in our fallen, broken world. And then when something's unjust, we're like, what? (laughs) No, no, do not be surprised. 
as though something strange were happening to you. That is life. All of our episodes are on mikeslater.locals.com with the transcript and commercial free. mikeslater.locals.com, full transcript and no added commercials that I have no control over. The commercials I do have a control over are our two main sponsors. That's Patriot Gold Group and the Public Square app. The Public Square app is it's now a public company. I'm so proud of them. It is just fantastic. It is exploding and they're they're only going to do even more incredible things. They will one day be the Amazon. They'll be the alternative to Amazon. I truly believe it. So, it is a place they call it America's marketplace. So it's a place where you can buy products from people who share your values. No more buying from woke companies anymore who are going to use your money to donate to the human rights campaign for transgender rights or whatever, right? Stop giving your money to those people. So Public Square app, start small, hit near me, and do coffee shops. And just find your local coffee shop that has your values and spend your money with those people. And then you can branch out from there to every product you can imagine, every service, and then buy products online as well. And they've all been vetted, and it's all good people. We can make an alternative marketplace here. It's fantastic. So proud of Michael Seifert, a friend of mine, for doing this. And, and it's, it is thriving, and for good reason. And it's totally free. The Public Square app, download in the App Store, publicsq.com.